We are in faith and discipline. We exercise each day the disciplines of our faith, doing those things that God has purposed and called us to do, and those things that grow us up, those things that strengthen us, those things that make us uh, more like Jesus in, in, as far as identity, because God's the one changing us, transforming us. And so, so this week, all right, so I, and thank you all of you who asked regarding my parents. Uh, yes, I am spending, and I, for this, I, I kind of half apologize, but there's nothing I can do about it. I spend a whole lot of time in South Carolina these days, and I spend a whole lot of time on the phone. Uh, and, and this week we had to, uh, uh, put my dad in the hospital. That's a different, that's a switch, right? <laughs> and so, uh, so he's still there and so I'll be going back and I thank you. Uh, he's, he's getting better and he'll get out and, and we'll figure out whatever's next. Guess what? <laughs> we have the option when faced with challenge to overcome, right? Isn't that what we just say? Jesus overcame. We already got that. And that's what we're going to talk about when I get into Romans in a minute. But challenges are opportunities for us to overcome. Okay? All right, here we are, Romans 6, and, and, and I sort of selected out of chapter 6, verses 12 to 23, uh, and, and we started Romans with uh, the good news, which is the gospel, the, the work of God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, uh, the resurrection, our victory, our life, everything that God's given us through the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus overcame for us which makes us overcomers in Christ, all right? And then we did the bad news, which is sin, the fall, the corruption, the, 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 the viral infection, if I can use that term, of sin in our lives, right? And then we started, we looked um, at the, the righteousness by justification, that God has not merely declared us righteous, which is a judicial sense. He made us righteous as if it had never happened. That's what God accomplished in the cross, all right? Then we looked a little harder at the whole idea of justification. And, and so today, uh, here is the encouragement on our part. Guess what? God has done his part. What's ours? <laughs> better avoid the bad news okay avoid the bad news here we go Romans 6 12 to 23 therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness for sin will not rule over you because you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God that... Although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over and having been set free from sin, you became enslaved 
to righteousness. I'm using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. That verse thrown in the middle of all this just drives me crazy. Can I just, I, I'm just going to confess that right in the middle of this thing. I mean, Paul is, is, is expounding on what God has accomplished and what it is to produce in us as God's kids and people and family and the body of Christ and fellowship of believers and the gathering of the saints. And then he says, oh, by the way, because you're a bunch of weaklings, I'm trying to make it plain for you. I was just like, all right, fine. For just as you offer the parts of yourselves as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. So what fruit was produced then from the things you are now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. But now, since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification and the outcome is eternal life. And we could, many of us, maybe all of us, quote this next one, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Pray with me, all righty. Father, I want to thank you and praise you. God, you have blessed us. And God, even in challenge, you have blessed us. God, you, you provide, you supply. God, you are gracious and you are merciful. And, and God, I'm so thankful this morning for your supply. God, I, I am profoundly aware God, of every, not every, but of, of the details, God, that you put in place. God, so that we might walk with you. So, so that we might be mindful of who you are. And God, how you provide. And that, God, we can rest in you and we can trust you. And God, we can just abide in your presence. God, help us to be there. As we look at this passage this morning, as we understand what it is, God, that, that, that you want us to hear from you, not from me, not from, from black and white words on a page, but God, as you speak to us by your spirit, God, help us to understand who we are and what you've accomplished. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. For a time between college and seminary, I, I managed a business. Now, I managed a business because I wanted the money, just so you know. It was providing for me. I would go to work in the morning. I would inventory the car. It was a rental car business, okay? It was outside the uh, Columbia Airport in South Carolina, and, and the owner of the business on the car lot that we got the cars from. It was his way of selling himself cars. It worked, whatever. So I managed this business, right? I didn't know anything about managing a business. I, I didn't know anything about a profit loss statement. I didn't know anything about rental percentages and, and all that kind of stuff. I just, yeah. 
Anyway, Mr. Smith said, Bobby, he said, we got this opening out at the airport branch. Would you like to manage the airport branch? I was like, I don't know anything about it. He said, yeah, but I trust you. I'm like, okay. And, and Mr. Smith, Dick Smith was a, a deacon at the church I attended, so he gave me a job. And I worked my way in different areas of his business. And um, I, I, I remember one day, the heartbreaking, heart-wrenching event uh, at Dick Smith Auto Rentals. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, this wrecker pulls up in front of the office, and there's a Nissan Maxima torn all to pieces. Man, that thing was just busted. And I was like, ah, it's the first thing I do. I pull out the rental contract to make sure that that guy used his own insurance and not our insurance. <sighs> He's got our insurance. So it's all on us at that point, right? So, man, I was f just flipping out about the whole thing. I called my boss, Jimmy. I said, Jimmy, man, we got one of these, and it was thousands and thousands of dollars at that time, even then. I said, Man, it's wrecked, and the guy's got our insurance. And this is Jimmy comes to the office. He sits me down. He sits. I'm sitting at my desk. He sits across from me. He said, "Bobby, let me explain some things about this business." Mr. Smith owns the dealership. Mr. Smith owns the cars. Mr. Smith owns this location. He owns this property that your office is on. He rents it to himself. Like okay, he owns all the cars that you rent out. He sells those to himself so that you can rent them out so that he can okay that car that's wrecked in the back now is going to his body shop <laughs> and I was like man I didn't have a clue about all this stuff right I just remember how my heart sank when here's the man who trusted me with something. I didn't wreck the car, right? But I felt like I'd let him down. He had handed me something. He had given me something. Folks, I tell you that illustration not to let you know that just my story but when I look at this, I think about what God has handed us. Think about what God has given us and entrusted to us in salvation. The redemption that God has given to us. And, and the cost of it, it was more than thousands and thousands of dollars, like a Nissan Maxima. What God has presented to us is an identity. It's a life. It's a change. It's a new person, a new creation. So how can we be flippant or uncaring about that? I'm not saying you are. But guess what? In the body of Christ, I've seen those who are. They've taken this incredible good news gospel gift, this new creation, this life that God has offered to us. And they've treated it with disregard. The point today is, is that we've been set apart. 
We, 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 we've been given, we've been made, we've been transformed. God has set apart is simply the definition of the word sanctified. God has set us apart from everybody else that he didn't set apart. Now, however you want to theologically define that, I don't care. But if you're sitting in this room this morning, or if you're listening online this morning, and you claim Christ as Savior, God has set you apart. What are you doing? How are you responding to what God's given you? I'll show y'all something. Sherry, did you come? Is she in here? Sorry, I ran out of the frame. I'm coming back. I don't drink much of anything else but water and seltzer water. Sherry, I walked back there a minute ago to get me a little cup of water. She says, I got something for you. Like you do. And she goes into the closet. She comes out with a seltzer water. Because I don't eat anything on Sunday mornings. That's a gift. Somebody's presented me with something. Do I just disregard it? Do I undervalue it? Do I undervalue the love and sentiment that is given in giving it? We've been set apart. Listen to these verses, verses 8 through 11, because I think they they give us sort of the idea. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him for the death he died. He died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Underline that. You too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. See, I think what we do is we approach sin, we approach the world, we approach certain constructs in the world with this idea that, well, if I sin, I'm forgiven anyway. We give license to sin in our lives. We make excuses or rationales or or some sort of justification for, for stepping in the direction of what is corrupt and evil and wicked. To think that way, to align ourselves with, to partner with, those kind of things. When what this is saying is, consider yourselves dead to all that stuff. It starts with the consideration of our hearts and minds. Don't make excuses for sin, folks. I mean, I'm just as guilty. I'm not standing up here preaching at y'all. We are in this together. God has said, I made you alive. I adopted you. I redeemed you. I regenerated you. You've got to consider yourselves dead to sin. Sin is bad news, and you and I have been set apart from it. Okay? I, man, I grew up all Baptist. I remember that phrase, once saved, always saved. Doesn't matter what you do. Guess what? What you do is simply the, 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 the proof, the, the evidence. Let me say the evidence. How you conduct yourself with regard to sin. How you conduct yourself with, the, with regard to temptation. Do you lean into the temptation or do you lean into the spirit? That is the evidence of what God has accomplished in you. Do you run towards sin? Make excuses for it? Why? Because it pleases you? 
Because it satisfies you? Because it entertains you? You know, I've used that illustration. Let's say the edge of this carpet is, is the edge of sin. And if I step over here, I'm in sin. Why is it that, that we think, oh, well, I'm going to walk along the edge of it? No! I'm staying over here as far away from sin as I can get. I will not run to or near it. I'm not going to let myself get caught. Look, uh, Paul says later in the, in the book of Romans, in Romans 13, verse 14, he says, Make no provision for the flesh. Don't set yourself up for failure. I'll give you an evidence. You ready? Say you got a drinking problem. Now, I don't pick on drinking, and y'all know I don't. If you got a drinking problem, guess where you don't hang out? In a bar. <laughs> Thank you. One person. I appreciate that. <laughs> right? You've got to know this about yourself. You've got to identify it in yourself. You've got to stay away from the line where you would be in danger of stepping across into it. So you avoid sin. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, here's the way I memorized it, abstain from all appearance of evil. That means I'm not going to get close enough to put the t-shirt on. People often ask me, and I mean, with computers, you can get into all kinds of trouble on a computer. And I'm not just talking about the pornography and stuff. I'm talking about shopping or anything else. Some people have shopping addictions. Y'all know that? They get online, man, they order everything Amazon's got. I tell people, I say, if you've got a computer in your house, turn it so it faces the door to the room it's in. I say, that way that anybody that walks in the room, they can see what's on your screen. The CSB translates, stay away from every kind of evil. That means I'm not going to align myself with the things that I see as evil. You ready? Here we go. Get mad at me. I'm going to go ahead and let you get mad at me first. We can't align ourselves in our culture, in our society, in our families with what God has said is evil. We can love people. But we can't align ourselves and affirm those things that are evil. I can't vote for things or align myself politically with what I see as evil. Sorry. Can't do it. I'm not a slave to sin. Look at verses 17 and 18 in the passage I originally read. But thank God that although you used to be slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over and having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. Now, you're not a slave to sin in Christ. You're a slave to God's righteousness. You've been given all of the wealth and glory of heaven. I'm a slave to righteousness. And I find, and I'll share this with you, and I believe if you've been a part of this sort of journey walk pattern, every time I find myself choosing righteousness, even in the, the smallest half baby step, 
I step in the direction of God's righteousness, God goes, that's it. Here's more. That's it. Here's more. You see? I'm a slave to, to, to God's righteousness. I'm not a slave to sin. I, 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 I was handed over... This is the thing that got me. I was writing this week uh, from Romans. Actually, the devotionals are coming out of Romans right now. Y'all know Adam sold us out. Y'all know that? I mean, man, the technical sort of wording in Scripture is we were handed over to sin in the fall. You know... Uh, it's funny, different translations will say things like bondservant or just servant. Eli and I had this conversation because he's teaching this to the fifth and sixth graders this morning. I think it'll be fun. I'd love to be a fly on that wall. But here you go. Um, he said, Dad, I'm not using that Bible anymore. Eli goes through Bibles like most of us go through socks. He'll find a Bible. He's got, I mean, bookcases full of Bibles because he'll try a new Bible and, and he'll read it and he'll study it and he takes notes and he writes all kind of things down, all that sort of thing. And and, and he'll come across a, a word choice or a translation and he'll go, nope, done with that one. Right? And so he found one and doing this particular passage for this morning, the translation of scripture he's been using most recently, and I won't say what it is because I don't want to, I mean, I, think, I like reading them all, but, and he keeps about 10 of them open when he's studying. And he said this, he said, it used the word servant instead of slave. I said, okay, well, the really technical translation from Greek is bond servant. They sold themselves into slavery or servitude. He said, yeah, but slave communicates better. <laughs> right? I'm not a slave to sin. Yes, Adam handed us over. Adam sold us into slavery so that he could be his own God, he thought. But God purchased us, redeemed us, bought us back with a price. And so now I'm a slave to righteousness. Look at verse 22. But now since you have been set free from sin and have, been and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. Results in sanctification and the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man. What are you going to do with what's been given to you? Going to belittle it? You're going to undervalue it? You're going to dance so close to the sin line? See, God loves us. And He's loved us so much that He paid the price for us. See? So that... 
you know, when that wrecked car showed back up at the shop, it wasn't Jimmy I was worried about because the car didn't belong to Jimmy. It was Mr. Smith. And quite honestly, I felt like I'd let him down. I didn't wreck the car. I was managing his stuff. I was stewarding what he had entrusted to me. God has made you his. You belong to him. I'm one of those folks that believe you can't undo what God does. Okay? I don't believe you can unsave yourself with sin. Okay? But I do believe that you can dirty up that relationship by devaluing and undervaluing and disregarding what God has handed you. See? There's two books. Um, one of the questions that came up in the Q&A Sunday a few weeks ago was what book or books have you read lately or do you... I forget how it was worded, but something to do with, you know, name a book or something that is very valuable to you. One of them is a book, and, and I get the authors all confused. I keep them on my shelf, but one is The Pursuit of Holiness. Tozier, A.W. Tozier wrote that one. The other is by a guy named uh, Greg something. He did a conference for us, but his is called Return to Holiness. I'm going to read this again from the passage in verse 11 so you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus we have got to set our minds on holiness God said be holy as I am holy right doesn't mean we 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 go okay well I can sin because God's already taken care of it no folks we we've got to change the mindset of pursuing righteousness. We don't, we don't make provision for sin in our lives. We, 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 we abstain, stay away from, run away from all appearance of evil. And then I know as a youth pastor, it's probably the first time I ever heard it, but I can't help it. Well, then surround yourself with people who can help you help it. I used to use the word saturate. What do you think the word saturate means? Anybody want to throw out a word? Definition? Soak. Flooded. Flooded. Soaked. Man, just. And I would tell, I would tell young people sitting in my office, you have got. I mean, and this was in the 90s, and, and it wasn't near what it is today, but I would say you have got to saturate yourself with the things of God. And I would tell them, the music you listen to, the things you watch, the things you read, the people you hang out with, it is really easy to make provision for sin in our lives when we let the input come from outside. See, got to change the attitude, y'all. We got to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Okay? 
If you don't know Jesus this morning, it can start today. Man, this is a gift God's offering. It's like, it's like he's got it all wrapped up right there. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, God's saying, come, unwrap the gift. Come know Jesus. Maybe you know him, but, but, but you're distracted, overwhelmed. It starts with step one. You've got to take a step in the direction of who God has made you to be. Okay? Maybe you want to be a part of the gathering. That's cool. Come on down. We'll tell you how to do that too. But more than anything else, more than anything else, if you don't know Jesus this morning, you need Jesus. So we're going to sing one more song. You have the opportunity to respond to him. Not me, not the gathering. And you can respond to Jesus right where you are. So pray with me. Father, thank you for today and all that you're accomplishing. Your word is true. Your word is eternal. God, help us to pay attention. God, help us to obey. Thank you, God, that that sin is bad news. So God, help us to see sin the way you see sin. God, help us to abstain to refrain, to run away. But God, in running away from sin, help us to run to You. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.